most important thing in this business it's people business right like people hire people and they hire a lot of times they hire people that they enjoy speaking with and they enjoy talking to and they enjoy being around you know because it's you're almost together with your co-workers as much as you are with your family where you have to be able to enjoy them and speak to them and have that good communication with them so it's important to check on people and make sure they're doing okay and, and still keep those relationships. Like I've done it with you. We've talked on the phone throughout this whole process. You told me you're starting the podcast and yeah, it's like it's, it's people and it's people at the end of the day, like you have to be good to people and treat people well. And I think that's when you start getting further along in your life. What's up everybody. Welcome to the pursuit, a journey in the life of sports. I'm your host, Chris Mongelia, Director of Men's Basketball Operations at Princeton University. This podcast is all about exploring the intellectual approach to maximizing your ability. We talk with accomplished professionals in the sports industry and learn what has allowed them to be able to succeed on their journey in the life of sports. The goal here is for listeners to collect as many high performance habits and behaviors as possible, and then be able to adopt and apply them into their own lives and careers. On this episode, Chris Metapore from the Los Angeles Clippers talks about how important relationship building has been to his elevation within the Clippers organization. He speaks to how he benefited from fortunate timing, but stresses how his preparation prior to those opportunities was the key to making the most of them. In the fast-paced, high-pressure, and result-oriented NBA climate, Chris maintains his low-key, even-keeled, and at times, simple persona. He also shares the unique way that he got his start working within an NBA organization. It's a story that you don't want to miss and proves that sometimes simply just taking action is the best way to generate momentum for your hopes and dreams. I'm so happy to be able to share this one with you all. Our guest today is Chris Metapore, Assistant Director, College Player Personnel with the Los Angeles Clippers. Chris is heading into year 10 within the organization. He started out as a community relations intern before progressing to a video editing intern. After four seasons within the organization, he was elevated once again to video scout, where he spent a lot of time behind a desk watching endless amounts of games and writing reports for the team. After another two years, he was once again promoted to scouting manager for one season before receiving his most recent promotion, as previously mentioned, assistant director, college player personnel. Previous to his time with the Clippers, Chris played two seasons of junior college ball before heading to Loyola Marymount to complete his undergrad and work with their men's basketball program as a student video coordinator and team manager. Chris and I linked up back in 2017 when our team headed out to the West Coast to play USC in a non-conference game. Whenever we travel, I always try to create some unique experience for our players, and practicing in NBA arenas or practice facilities is one of my favorite things to try and line up. So I was able to get that set up for us to practice in the Clippers facility for this trip, and Chris wound up being our point of contact for that visit. He got us all set up on the day of the practice and then attended our game the next night when we knocked off USC in an exciting overtime game. 
prior to the game, Chris and I were able to connect courtside and spoke for about 20, 25 minutes and have stayed in touch ever since. We're just talking hoops, talking business, and sometimes even sharing ideas on projects that we're both working on individually. So I'm so excited to have Chris on today. So Chris, welcome, and thanks for taking the time for this conversation. Chris, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, excited to be here and I was always excited to talk with you and have a conversation. Chris with the K, Chris with the C. That's that's the change up here a little bit. There, the Chris and Chris show today. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. Well, you know, let's just hop right into this thing. Uh, I kind of want to take it back to maybe 10 or 12 years earlier and just kind of figure out, like, what was your mindset or viewpoint in terms of, like, growing up and what a career man or become an adult, like what were you thinking 10 to 12 years ago? That's a great question. Um, I, I, honestly, as a young kid, I always loved the game of basketball, um, played in junior college, as you said, and then going, once my career was finished, I had an, or I had an AI scholarship offer after junior college to go to a university. I ended up not taking it. So I kind of had to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I, uh, randomly enough I went on Google I typed in MBA jobs the teamwork online website came up I figured hey I can give myself a shot and see if there's anything I'd be interested in I looked and the Clippers had a community relations uh, internship available after I applied I was fortunate enough to get an inter interview with uh, the community relations department and with the Clippers I got a call back, uh, got lucky enough to be selected for an internship, and thankfully to Denise Booth, I was picked, but she's the reason that I'm on this show today, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, one of my follow-up questions for that was like, how does community relations internship materialize? But you just answered it like, all you did was Google. Yeah, um, amazing, right? Technology. Like, I, I really, I was sitting on my couch one day, and I was like, what am I going to do with my life? I really had that thought, and I just figured like, all right. Let's, NBA jobs, let's Google, let's see if I, because I knew I wanted to get into scouting and that kind of, anything in basketball related I would have done probably, but I was most want to be in scouting. And so I just Googled it and thanks for teamwork online, the NBA, they, they joined the partnership and I got lucky somehow. That's not a plug. That's not an advertisement for teamwork it's not online. A, no, it's not. <laughs> I just, just have to say like it's part of the story, right? Yeah, for sure. So you had mentioned that you kind of always wanted to be in basketball or scouting. Like did curiosity develop for you during that internship for community relations to, to progress higher or had you always had that like aspiration to be in the NBA? Uh, it's going to be a crazy story, but like, so, you know, playing video games when you're younger, you usually play like exhibition games and you play against each other and things, things in that nature. You know, something yep, like that. Yep. My brother, cousin, and I, we would always play franchise mode in NBA 2K or NBA Live, whichever game it was. Mm -hmm. And we'd, we'd play and we'd build teams. And then you'd, from that point, when you got to, like, the championship or whatever, that's when you really played. So it was kind of always something that we always did. And I was like, this is like, the best job in the world. If you could, like, run a team and scout and make moves and things like that. So I got that was where it started for me, honestly. It sounds crazy. But that's where I was more – focused on I would play video games and we that was the funner part is competing each other competing against each other and beating each other when you had the, your own set of team that you traded for or drafted mm -hmm. or whatever 
So you say it's crazy, but like anyone that's in the video game era right now, like our age, maybe a little bit older, they're all shaking their head right now. If they're listening, <laughs> they're like, Oh, we did that. You know, whether really? it was, NCAA just, football, Madden, like yeah. it didn't matter. NBA Live, like we all did that. You know, oh, trade this one and trade that one, and now it's crazy. Like the the video games now, it's like super in depth. Like I would have never stepped. I would have never seen the sun if I grew up with the video games that they have now. It's just it's so different. I know. It's like I I thought it was a little different and weird, like that us three were, but it was just a competitive thing of like, oh, if you beat beat him with his regular regular team or whatever it's like head to head oh we have the better team and there was there was always that back and forth between us yeah and then when you it's like okay well now it's really your fault but now it's really our fault and so (laughs) that was always the competitive part of us three that's so funny so did you have like you get that community relations internship Mm -hmm. so throughout that that process it was like two years it was about is that right Mm -hmm. yeah like in that time span when did it become a real, like a realistic thing that you could elevate within that, that organization? Like, did something happen during your time there that allowed you to think like, Oh, I could, you know, maybe elevate up a little bit. So I was also working at LMU as the student video coordinator at that time for one of those years. So I had both jobs and I was going to school at the same time. And to have the, the the way it all came together, another crazy random fact is going to be, my, the director of basketball ops for LMU at the time, Ben Rosenfeld was walking into a, a restaurant and the Clippers video coordinator at the time was wearing his videos, like their sweatsuits. They're both wearing their sweatsuits. So they see each other and they kind of make the small talk. And then my boss, Ben says, Hey, I got a, I got a kid for you that you might be pretty good. He actually works for you guys in the community relations department. And he's like, Oh, the, the video coordinator said, really? Okay. Like what's his name? Told him my name. And so, Thankfully, the Ben saying that, he then, the Clippers video coordinator at the time, ended up going to my boss, Denise, who was there, and said, hey, I've heard about this kid. Is he any good? And so they both gave me a letter, or not a letter, a recommendation to the video coordinator. And from there, it kind of just morphed into like, okay, let's see who this kid is. And I got fortunate enough to get in contact with them. And they said, okay, well, when you're done with your college career whether it be next year or the year after or whatever it is well, let us know and we'll find a we'll see if we can have a, find a spot for you and so I got lucky wow that's I feel like the more and more you have conversations with people that are in quote-unquote like high achieving positions everyone has like that oh you're gonna think this is really crazy but like that's kind of how it breaks sometimes like you know just being right place right time so along those lines like what are your thoughts on the word opportunity I think it's huge. I think opportunity is is huge. A lot of it has to deal with that. Even I think in the NBA, when you see with the players getting a chance to play and playing time, even college basketball, that when your opportunity strikes, you have to be ready and you have to put in the dedication and the time and prepare always from, like prepare like you're always going to play no matter what it is and be ready for that moment. And once that moment comes, you're ready. You don't want to have that moment come and you are, oh, I wasn't ready. I wasn't in shape. I wasn't, you know that's for the playing style that you should always be ready for your moment. And so I got very fortunate with people giving me opportunities and people going to bat for me, like Ben and Denise and making my life a lot easier and putting me in situations that they believed in me and that I could do the job. And then from there, I just got lucky. And How have you been ready for the opportunities when they've come? Like, you know, Ben and Denise are the two people you've just mentioned recently. Like, 
what were you doing that you were ready when opportunities came your way? Like what, why did they feel comfortable giving you that recommendation? Uh, I just love the game basketball. So like I would, I put in the work and you know how it is. You have, it's not like a, a nine to five job, really. It's almost never ending, which is good and bad at times for personal and life reasons. It's good and bad, but you, you just always have to be able to like really learn the game, study the game. Um, I, I did a lot of work for Ben and he taught me a lot day to day. He just allowed me to, he took the time to actually try to groom me and say, Hey, this is what you're looking for in the game. This is how I want things done. This is, he was just very communicative and he basically told me everything he wanted and gave me the opportunity and trusted me and instilled confidence in me to do what I was able to do. Along those lines, like, you talked about, you know, not a typical nine to five and kind of never ending, like speak about sacrifice to be able to get from, you know, Googling on your couch, MBA jobs to, you know, where you are right now, 10 years in a, or going on 10 years in an MBA organization. Like what, what is the word sacrifice meant to your story? Uh, it's been, it's, it's been a lot, honestly. It's been, it's not just the work part. It's like, you know, when we played growing up, you go on tournaments, you play AAU, you'd have to leave town for a time, for long periods of time and be away from your family. You go for high school tournaments, you go during December for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. And it's been, it's been sacrificing literally the whole, like our whole life for basketball. Um, my family sacrificed a lot for me and like my mom putting me in AAU programs, my mom just helping me out with junior college because there's no scholarships in California, like being able to live at home, that's a sacrifice that she made for me. So I'm thankful for her doing that. But it's just, there's a lot of different things that have accumulated for the sacrifice, but there's literally, it can go, the list is endless almost. Like, Can you think of one, like think of one sacrifice, like maybe a story, like a time where you, you know, you couldn't go somewhere because, you know, there was this project you were working on or you missed out. Like I can think of when I was, you know, grinding my way to where I am right now, I was working for very little money in the beginning of yeah. this journey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like um, I was 24, 25 when I was really starting to do this and I had not a lot of money in my pockets and some of my friends had graduated college and you know how that goes like you go get real world jobs yeah. and now they have money and they're like hey let's go to vegas or hey let's go on exactly. a bachelor party trip to canada like i was looking at my friends and i you know for a metaphor for visual purposes like i was pulling my pockets out and being like yeah. hey guys can't go man you know and at the times that that's that's the tough times is where you're just like is what i'm doing worth it but like Talk to that. Like, I know you've had to have some of those moments in your life. For sure. Like, same as you. I, I lived at home for my first two years of the internship. Like, I, everybody else I saw was going and getting, uh, like, their own place, their roommates, and things like that. I couldn't even afford that. I was working minimum wage in the video room and just grinding my way. And there's times where you think, like, all right, this has got to pay off, and then this has got to pay off, and then you just keep putting your head down and doing the work. And, I've sacrificed and missed friends' weddings, unfortunately. Um, I've missed a lot of family events, like birthdays, just because I'm out, out of town on the road a lot. And so it it, uh, it sucks at times, but it's the best job in the world, honestly. Like, I, I love it, and I, I'm excited. I, don't, I get to go to work and with a passion and excitement every day. How do you, how do you negotiate those conflicts in your mind? Like, when you have – 
to sacrifice something for your job? What's your, what's your priority? Like what, how do you figure those out? You're, yeah, that's a great question. It's tough. Um, my family is the most important thing for me. And I, I'm, I try to be there for every significant event, like a birthday or whatever it is. It's just at times, like, I know that I can't make every, everything because of this job. I can't make every event, but if there's something very important, I'll, I'll prioritize that over, over the job. But it's just, it, there's so much stuff where like missing Thanksgiving, when you see like Thanksgiving, your family's all together and they're home and everybody's FaceTiming you and you're, you're between a game or something like that. And, you're getting concessions from a, from the, I mean, you're getting food from the concession stand, you're eating at a little table or eating in the media room by like with a couple of scout friends, but you miss your family and then Christmas, things like that. So I try to prioritize, I try to, I've worked a lot on balancing this whole, my whole career and personal life the last couple of years, putting a more balanced situation together. But it's, it's something that I struggle with every day, but I, it's two loves I have that you got there pulling you in both directions and you just got to figure it out at some point. Yeah. It, it's so funny. You mentioned the the holidays. Like I think it was maybe two years ago. I don't know. All the years are blending in for me now, but <laughs> we played in uh, the diamond head classic out in Hawaii and that's over Christmas. And it was the first time in my whole life that I had not been with my family for Christmas. And ironically enough, like I was sitting on a beach in Hawaii, FaceTiming my family, you know, I'm in the sun with, you know, the Pacific ocean in my, in my, in my visual and I'm FaceTiming them. And I was like, Oh my God, like, this is depressing. Like my whole family is (laughs) celebrating Christmas. I'm not there. Who is sitting on a beach. That's like upset, you know, like everyone loves the beach. It's one of those moments, you know what I mean? Like, you're just like, this is my job and I made this sacrifice and there's like, you can't just call out of work and be like, Hey, Hey Mitch, I'm not going to the diamond head classic cause I can't <laughs> miss Christmas with my family, you know? So you find ways to, to negotiate those, you know, you got to make up for those things that you miss, you know, like if you're just always missing, 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 and you're never bringing up on the back end, like that's when you start to feel like a bad person. And I think that's what I've learned as you get older is just like, figure out how to balance both. And it might not mean you, cause no one can be in two places at once, you know? So. Exactly. And and you're right. Like that's the thing when going back to like the Googling the NBA jobs on the couch, no one really tells you all that. Like you think like, Oh, this is great. This is sports. I love it. But you don't, you forget about all of like the times for us, like think about how many times you're on a plane, you're connecting here, connecting there. And like, you're on the run, you're on the move and you got your family's doing something else and you got to help with that. And, it just there's no one talks about all the sacrifices for like holidays and birthdays and everything. It's just, it, that's the part that people forget about. Yeah. So you just, that was a great point by you. Like no one prepares you for that stuff, right? Like no one, there's no handbook that says, Oh, you're getting into coaching. Here's everything that you're going to have to dodge and, you know, be agile throughout your career. When you get into the career, was there anyone that you're like, Oh, okay. I can relate to that guy. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys that have families and that have been able to balance their family and work life. And I've kind of gravitated towards them a lot. Um, like some of the scouts in the world and some of the higher ups, like, uh, that they've told me like, Hey, you got to do a better job balancing your family life and your, your personal life and your work life. Like you got to figure out that balance all three, cause it's, you're just going to burn yourself out. If you just go hundred percent into work. So that's the thing I've had to work on and, I've taken advice from multiple people in the field. And so I've, I've put that into 
a little bit more perspective lately. So no, no, like initial ignition person for you. Like there was no one that was like your role model growing up. You just kind of knew you loved basketball. And then once you got into it, you kind of found your own, you know, people to look up to and people to kind of, you know, pull you along through this thing. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say that as far as in the NBA, but probably the person that I would say the ignition point for me would be then Ben Rosenfeld. He just, the way he, he family work and had that balance. I thought he, I think he's been one of the most important people to my success and in my career. Is there a singular moment? Like you, you Google the job, right? We keep talking about this. <laughs> you get the community relations internship, but you definitely have to have doubts whether or not, you know, you can make a career out of this. Is there a certain point where you like put your foot down on the gas and you're like, okay, I'm in it. Like go. Is there a certain, can you remember when that happened for you? Probably like after my first year, I was like, this is tough, man. I don't know if I'm able to survive, honestly. Like how, how many people are going for these jobs and how many people are actually like competing for it. And I was just like, I just got to just, I have to dedicate myself to like, all right, what's important in my life. And I want to have a career in, in the front office. So I figured I'd have to just push my way through and, just did all the work I did, did all the work that was necessary. And from there, I just got lucky. Can you, can you speak on relationship building and how that has contributed to your career growth? Like how has that pulled you along the way? That's huge. I mean, that's, I think that's like the most important thing in this business. It's people business, right? Like people hire people and they hire a lot of times they hire people that they enjoy speaking with and they enjoy talking to and they enjoy being around, you know, cause it's, you're almost t- together with your coworkers as much as you are with your family, where you have to be able to enjoy them and speak to them and have that good communication with them. So I think it's all about people. And I try doing my best to, to, even if it's like one, one person a week, new person, like I'll call or not call, but like I'll text and communicate with a bunch of different people throughout the week, but I'll make a point to call someone once a week and, checking on them, make sure that how they're doing and just, just take the time to not even just career wise, but just as a person, make sure they're doing all right. Especially during this COVID stuff. It's, it's important to check on people and make sure they're doing okay. And, and still keep those relationships. Like I've done it with you. We've talked on the phone throughout this whole process. You told me you're starting the podcast and yeah, it's like it's, it's people, it's people at the end of the day, like you have to be good to people and treat people well. And I think that's when you start getting further along in your life. Are you intentional about who you're reaching out to? Like, are you making a list um, weekly? Like, is there a, you know, a master spreadsheet of people that you've met and you're just checking them off or? No, honestly, no. I just go down my phone every now and then, or like, I'll think of something that like reminds me of somebody. And I'll say, you know, I haven't talked to that person in a while. I should give them a call. And honest, I like what I've done with you, you talked about it. Like I put my AirPods in. I'll go for a walk or do an exercise and I'll be talking to you on the phone. So it's like, I'm killing two birds with one stone almost Mm -hmm. where you're doing, you're helping me through my workout because I'm talking with you and then I'm checking in with you, see how you're doing, make sure everything's okay. So it's, that's just what I do. Usually I don't have, I think a master spreadsheet that's too not organic for me. It's unorganic where Mm -hmm. if I just go down like, Hey, something, I can just call someone like, I don't need, I don't like to have that much of a process with it. I like to just be organic and let it flow. 
No, that's good. I, like for me, I've always struggled with that one thing that you just said, like someone pops into your mind and you're just like, oh, I should text them. And like how many times will I have that thought and I still won't pick up my phone? You know what I mean? Because you're just so consumed with like, what's the next thing on my checklist? Because if I have that conversation, maybe it takes me 20 minutes to have that conversation. And it's always that constant you know, tug of war on my time and our time in this business. And the whole COVID quarantine thing has really provided like clarity in that for, for me to be like, okay, someone pops into my head, hit them with a text message, you know, like there's like, there's a kind of this, not agenda, but this perception that if you text someone, they're supposed to respond back to you immediately it's like the instant world that we live in right now. And I fall victim to that, that I realize like if I text someone and they respond back to me, I don't have to get back to them right away. Obviously within a reasonable amount of time, you want to reply to them, but text message conversations can be 15 messages over the course of 24 hours. And that's okay. You know, for sure. I've, I've, I've had the same thought, honestly, like I feel like the urgency sometimes, okay, I got to get back to this person right away. But sometimes you're you're focused on like if you're with your family, right? You should be present in that moment with your family and enjoying them, and just tell them, hey, like I was with my family. Sorry, I I got back to you a little later than possible, but I'm completely with you. I've started to do that, like just be more present in the moment and focus on like where you are right then, and then you can the text message you can respond to later, or hey, I'm gonna give you a call and we'll have a 10 minute conversation over the phone instead of a 25 to 35 message thread over text, you know. I feel like there's, there's such a chain of like importance that people need to like understand and not get offended by it. But there's certain people that if my phone rings and I see their name, like I'm picking that up no matter what the circumstances, you know, like anyone in my family, probably, you know, a player on our team, a coaching, uh, a coaching staff member of ours. Like if they call me, unless I'm in like a really serious situation like I won't pick it up but then there's like that second phone call if they call back right away then you're like okay I don't care what I'm doing like I'm picking it up there's something wrong you know and that's like that's the thing that I've started to realize through COVID is like those are the conversations that you have to continue to have like pick up the phone call those people when you think about them I just did it the other day my I think two days ago I hadn't spoken to my first college coach boss from Kane University, I hadn't spoken to him in like five or six months. And numerous times I had been like, man, I really got to talk to him. Really got to pick up the phone and call him. And I never did it. And then the other day I was like going for my walk and I was like, I'm calling him right now. And it was the best conversation. We talked for 45 minutes. I was like, oh my God, why did I wait so long to do this? And (laughs) you never regret having a good conversation with someone that means something to you. So I agree. I agree. It's, I completely agree with it. It's, it's, we need to do more of it, I think. And so that's, that's one of the things that COVID's allowed me to do. Like we have a, a ton of time on our hands, good or, good or bad. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Or you can improve yourself. You can check in on people. Like it's literally a 10-minute conversation. That can make their day better. Or it can make your day better. It can change, spark a different thought process in your mind. Or it can take it down a different road, you know? And so yeah, it's, it's worth it. It's so funny because, Chris, like, obviously, I said in the beginning of this podcast, like, how we met and how we've maintained our relationship. And 
you were the one to really continue the relationship with me. I'm not trying to put you on blast here, but like <laughs> you, you did exactly what you just said. Like you cashed that check. You would reach out to me and I would be like, why is this guy from the Clippers? Like, why is he still talking to me? Like, I didn't even understand like what was going on, you know? And then over the course of time, like we started to reciprocate. Like then yeah. I would be like, man, I haven't talked to Chris in a while. Shoot him a text or send him a phone call or whatever. And like, you might've actually impacted me more than, you know, just like, Oh wow. Like it was that simple. This guy made me feel like important. I had no idea who he was. So like, how can I do that for others? And I think if people listening can just realize like people like to hear from you, like yeah, they like to feel wanted and they like to feel thought of. And that's just like, it's been a cool thing, like in our relationship development to, to understand that and like help me professionally through that. So I appreciate that, but it's human interaction, right? Like this COVID stuff is so hard for us because we're just isolated in your own world and you don't have that human interaction that you normally have. And so we, we, we need that as human beings. No, that's cool, man. So we're going to pivot a little bit here. We're going to do this segment. I like to call quick hitters. <laughs> um, again, I'm getting a lot of feedback from it. People are like, Oh, this is great. I can, I can get all these book <laughs> recommendations. So, um, Previously, I let you know that I was going to ask you for books. You told me that you only had two to recommend. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to give my favorite book so that we can there get we go. books out there. That's perfect. You know, and then after the call's over, we're going to work on maybe me making you read a little bit more. <laughs> I need to. It's something I got to work on. I'm more of a visual learner person. Like I love documentaries and that stuff, but I've, I've read a couple books. I told you Legacy in the Captain class. I could go a little bit into that, but I'm going to let you handle this one. <laughs> so... Tell me about Legacy first. I've read both of them. They're both fantastic books. Tell, you know, the people listening why Legacy was one of the ones that um, you would recommend to somebody else. I thought it was great. Just like the 15 lessons in leadership I thought were important and how leaders should act the right way. And that's just my opinion uh, that you, you kind of have to put yourself, put the team above yourself and like sacrifice for the team. And I thought that's what they did a lot in the book was just sacrifices they made. And the fact that they're such a long, have the prestige that they do and how many, how long they've been able to carry this and how much they've been able to win and just show that it all comes back to like the simple 15 lessons in leadership I thought were important. Mm -hmm. I just watched a video this morning on uh, Kobe Bryant. One of the, I don't know who was talking. It's so bad that I'm bringing this up on the show right now, but he was talking about how he watched a Kobe Bryant workout at like 4 a.m. one time. And he was like, his jaw was on the ground with what Kobe was doing. And it was like, he was obsessed with the basics. Like he was doing like simple footwork and simple um, body movements. And it changed everything for that guy who got to watch that video and be like the best player in the world. This was like in 2007. He's like mm -hmm. the best player in the world is doing, you know, inside pivots over and over and over again. And that's basically what the book legacy is about. Like the simplest little things perfecting those makes this team and this organization like so successful. So no, that's, that's, that's a great book. Number two, what do you got? Uh, the captain class by Sam Walker and just studying the great teams and sports and basically the different characteristics that each of their captains for each of those teams had and how they impacted their team that's a that's a good one. I, we've given that to a couple of our our players on our team for them to to read. So that's definitely one. Um, my all time favorite book 
uh, is called The Way of the Shepherd, and it's Seven Secrets to Managing Productive People. Highly recommend you to, to pick this one up. Um, it's like crazy. Yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing book. Um, and it's one of the first books that got me really, really, not obsessed, but, but like into reading. Prior to this book, I had read every once in a while, like I read like Roy Williams' document, uh, biography. I've read a couple other books like that. But this one, like I felt like I grew so much from reading this book. It's a small book, probably like 175 pages. I read this in one day, Chris. Wow. I got it in the mail and I looked at it and I'm like, okay, this is the smallest one. It came off of a book list that I just like someone I respected. I, I pulled it. I was like, this sounds interesting. I ordered like five of those books. This was the smallest one. Started reading it. It was a Friday night too. I'm, I'm not going to be afraid to admit it. I was like 24 years old, Friday night, did not go out, read a whole book. And I've read it like three or four times and recommended it to so many people. It just talks about how to treat people the right way how to be a leader, a model leader, um, you know, how to hold people accountable at times. It's a, fa- it's a fantastic read, really quick, easy read. So I'll round out the three book recommendations. You gave two, I gave one. So that's, Thank that's- you. <laughs> You're picking me up. I'm definitely, I think I'm going to read that book. Though. It sounds something down my alley. I'm interested in reading that. It is. You'll, you'll really like it. All right. Next on quick hitters is the most interesting follow on Instagram for you, because you are Twitterless, Chris Metapor. I, I am Twitterless. I uh, I'm probably the one of the few people under the age of 35. I'm 31, but I'm under the, I'll put it under the age of 35. I'll get a round number that does not have a Twitter, unfortunately. So, who's your most interesting follow on Instagram? Doesn't matter about basketball. Who like who do you always click on their profile and like enjoying their content that they're putting out? Probably uh, this is a bad one. Bleacher Report. I mean, yeah, I'm not. I don't have. I don't. I don't usually like Instagram for that. It's just really for friends. So I you're a simple man. You're a simple. Yeah, guy. I'm a very simple man. I'm sorry. <laughs> bad I'm answer. St- I'm staring at a blank wall right now. So I know you're the simple <laughs> guy. I, I can't even think that you would have a good Instagram follower. Oh man, that hurts. We're Instagram friends now. You could have. You could have just said me, and we would have been all good. I should okay. Let's run it back. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. No, no, no. no. Moving on, moving on. My Instagram is my family and basketball. There, there's nothing interesting about me. Same with me. That's all it is. <laughs> all right. Uh, third one. Most meaningful speech that you've ever heard. Oh, that's an easy one for me. And I heard it during COVID over the last like month, two months. It's Nick Saban. And I was fortunate to be on a Zoom call and heard Nick Saban speak. That was honestly one of the best speeches I've ever heard. Just talking about everything from, I can understand now, especially why kids go to Alabama and play for him or kids go anywhere to play for that guy. Like I almost wanted to sign up and like, Hey, I want to play football and go play for Nick Saban at this point. Cause he was amazing. Just talking about how he looks at players, how he builds a staff, um, the things he looks for and staff members, the things he looks for in players just everything about it was just amazing. And I thought he, the energy he spoke with, the passion he spoke with, and he just, he was just so clear on his vision. He knew what he wanted and he wasn't going to deviate from it. He wouldn't let anybody sway him either way, one way or the other. He knew what he wanted and he was just going to stick with it. Was this a private conversation, like through the Clippers organization? Like, yeah. A, okay. If you, if you can share, like, what was one thing that you took away from it that was like, wow, that was really, really cool? Just being not it just as working in basketball or working in life in general um communication just 
telling people your expectations, it's setting your expectations for greatness. Like, okay, this is what the expectation is. You have no way to deviate from it. Like, this is what it is. This is what our definition for it. You can either fall in line with it or go out of line with it because that's what's going to happen. This is how it's going to be measured. And if you know the exact price you're going to have to pay and if you're going to pay it or you're not going to pay it. So everything is broken down, like clear organizational, everything. It's just, here it is. This is the answer. Like you can get to that answer this way, or you cannot get to the answer that way. We're going to communicate and you know, the standard that's set and the excellence that's being uh, accepted you have to fall in line and do this. And he's clear with people from the start. And so they know, okay, this is what I have to do or else I'm, it's not going to work. So they fall in line with it. No, that's good. I wish I could have, I mean, you should have let me know. could have sent me a link. Like I would have liked to listen to that <laughs> one, but I'm a big saving guy. I like the way that he handles himself. And uh, no, I wish I, I wish I could see that one, but I can't. So, all right, quick hitters, nice little segment there. Uh, transitioning back kind of to you. What's your overall thoughts on the bubble right now? I think it's been great so far, honestly. Uh, I think that health-wise, they've, they've done a lot for the players and keeping them safe. It's, it's been amazing. The games, I think, are, are starting to get a little better and better just because of guys are in, more, in better shape and conditioning-wise, and, and they're able to work on – they're getting used to the surroundings now. So it's improving every day. I think they've done a great job at the NBA. What do you think is the best part about the bubble – all things considered, you know, so social climate, um, you know, health climate, everything. What do you think the best part of us having, you know, the NBA back with the bubble is? That's a great question. I'd say social climate and then health climate, like keeping those players safe and then allowing them to have a voice and express themselves is, is huge. What's the, maybe what's like the worst part of the bubble that maybe people aren't talking about as much or something that might be difficult for these players um, that they're having to deal with that we don't get to see as the fans. And everyone's just so happy that the NBA is back. So maybe what are we missing that is going on or, or things that are difficult for the, the teams or the organizations or the players? No, that's a great question. Uh, I think it's all basketball right now and them being able to get away from basketball a little bit might help them and just their mental health and working on that. And they're away from their families right now. And just mental health would probably be the biggest thing that they should be focused on right now do you know if you don't have to speak to the clippers but do you know if teams are are concentrating on that like are they having sports psychologists maybe more so available for them just because you know they're literally i'm not out there but i'm assuming that they're literally going to games and going back to their hotel rooms possibly going to the pool and fishing that's like what we've been shown (laughs) as fans of the nba but like for me like (laughs) there's not a lot of escape. So like, what are, what are teams doing to combat that? Yeah. The Clippers do a great job of offering uh, someone to speak to and mental health coaches and team psychologists that to provide every a- aspect for the player to be mentally healthy and, and enjoy this process. This is just an interesting question for me. I'm trying to ask this to everyone to see how they answer. What do you think, what character trait do you think has been the most pivotal for your success? Uh, I'd say hardworking. Uh, I think there's no substitute for the hard work and there's no like magic potion. I think hard work and being able to relate to people and understand people and communicate are probably the three biggest things in this and in life probably in in our field of work. What about you? What do you think hard work? Like what, what does that mean to you? Like what define that if you had to define that it's such a loosely, 
use term? Like what, what does that mean? Hard work? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, I'd say doing what's necessary to get the job done uh, is, is probably one of the things, um, whether just being promptness and being on time is not, I don't think it, for me, it's just, you gotta be there a little bit early. If you even be at work by eight, you should probably be there by like seven thirty, seven forty-five to be able to get your own, get in a groove, get some work done. And being the first one in and uh, the last one out is usually important as well. Um, especially in this business, but being smart with your work is also important. Not just don't just work hard, just to work hard, but be able to time manage it and put the amount of time you think you need to work to get it done and like double checking your work and making sure it's good. And then, going on to the next task. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just like being really persistent and like detail oriented with your work and like making yeah. sure it's done the right way. So that's like your definition of hard work is like doing what's expected of you, but making sure like it's done the right way and done to the the best of your ability would be like your definition of hard work. For sure. And having a sense of pride in your work and making sure that you just don't want to give it a, not don't give it your all, you know, you want to, that's your work and your name is on it. At the end of the day, it's your reputation, your name, and you can't, you can't get some of that work back. Mm-hmm. So you got to make sure that you did the best of your abilities. And like we talked about being ready for your opportunity at the beginning, mm-hmm. you, you sometimes you don't get a chance to get that. Oh, I should have, I should have done this instead of this on my work. It's you should make sure you're thorough, prepared, detail oriented. And okay. I went through everything and I did it in a timely manner. And now it's, it's time to go into the next task. So, if I could walk back your answer, would you say pride might be the thing that like your character trait that might've helped you be the most successful instead of hardworking? Yeah, I think that's fair. Being, having pride, a sense of pride in your work. And that's what my family always instilled into me. Like for me, it's, I don't want to let my family down. My mom, she's, she's worked so hard for everything in her life. And I kind of want to live up to that standard that I didn't, that I did give everything my all and I did put all the necessary time and work into it. And I've learned that from my mom and my brother. Mm -hmm. I don't, this is so funny. Like this is how I work in ways. I'm really, really organized. And in ways I'm like a tornado and like a hurricane. So whenever I like anything that I can get my hands on, that's going to help me be better. I try to somehow digest or like learn and you should see my notepad on my iPhone. There's got, I hope I'm hoping someone comes up with an app and if there's an app out there, somebody email me or text me, but like my notepad on my iPhone is just like anything that comes my way. I'll like type it in there so I don't forget it. And I have in my, in my notes, the importance of personal resilience and emotional intelligence being like at the top of the list of the most important things to teach kids. Um, whoever said this, I'm, I should really go back and credit them with this, but I can't remember. It's just in my, it's in my iPhone, but like the ability to adapt and withstand and recover from stress and adversity. Like how is that a part of your journey? I think it's part of everybody's journey. Like you have to let, and life's not going to always go your way, whether it's work, whatever it is, like there's going to be obstacles in the road where maybe you feel like you should be a little bit further along in your career, or maybe you're not, or maybe you got passed up for something or a, a task that you feel like you should have done, but it's just, you got to just roll with the punches and go on to the next day and attack every day with the same approach that, all right, I'm just going to do the best I can, let the chips fall where they may, honestly. Like, and in, in due time, I think it will all come back to you and it'll all round out personally. That's just my opinion. 
along those lines, like emotional intelligence, like how have you, how do you think that's contributed to your, to your success? Like being able to control your emotions in certain situations. For sure. I think it's huge. Like you have to be able to not like be a roller coaster. You just got to stay even keeled and you take the good the same way you take the bad. Just all right, next step, let's keep going. If you can go back and talk to Chris and he was playing NBA Live with his cousin <laughs> and the family, like, and where you are right now, you're you are evaluating players, you're in front office meetings, you're giving your opinion on players that you've seen. Like, did you ever think that this was actually possible? I had I somewhat had like a confidence that okay I could do this job, but I didn't think it was possible, honestly. When did you when do you think you got that confidence? How long did it take you to get that confidence? Probably like my first full year scouting on the road. I was like, okay, I think I can do this now. Like I, I think I I it took some time to like, okay, I need to see like the full year of college players and then being able to like, all right, if I was wrong in this area, I was right in this area. Okay, I think I my no one's batting a thousand percent in this job, and if anybody says they are, I, I don't I don't believe them. Mm-hmm. But I think I I had a good enough percentage. I was like, okay, I, I'm confident in my abilities. I can keep doing this, and I can I can withstand the people in the room and be able to stand on my own two feet at times. And I can go at I can prove my point to where I think I'm right on this one, and I can hold my my ground. And that's when I kind of took it to that point. So reflection for you, obviously experience first was a huge part of gaining that confidence, but reflection was a secondary um, piece for you is that you had the experience and then you reflected on it to learn. Oh, okay. Like I did. Okay. Like I did a good job. Like this is, this is something that I can continue to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably my own toughest critic. Like that's one of my, my main things that I'm trying to work on and get better at is that I'm always tough on myself and I, you have to be able to be tough on yourself and be truthful and honest with yourself. Like, all right, well, you did a good job in this area. You didn't do such a great job in this area. So how are we going to make changes to get better in the area of weakness now? Like, let, what's that, what's that going to take to get better in this area? All right, let's, what were your mistakes? Go study your past mistakes. Go study what you did well and study how you got to those, to that point with what you were correct on, you know? So it's just always self-analyzing and self-critiquing. Mm-hmm. 10 years going on 10 years with the Clippers. How come you haven't left and tried to go somewhere else to elevate faster or, you know, in, at least in college coaching, I can't speak to the NBA, but in college coaching, there's a little bit of a storyline or, you know, a thought that if you want to, if you want to climb, you got to go do two years here and then two years there and, and like, you know, be super agile within the profession. I haven't chosen that I'm finishing year four at Princeton. Like I'm happy here. Why, what has your decision been to stay there? Uh, I think they've treated me well and they've uh, allowed me the opportunity to grow. And I've, I've had the opportunity to learn from some of the best minds in basketball. So I think that was important to me. It was just learning from the best people in business and then also having the opportunity to keep growing and they've allowed me to do that. So the ability to grow is something that has kept you with the Clippers. Like you, you don't feel stagnant there. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I think honestly, like I'm asking that question because I felt the same way. Like I've had opportunities to leave Princeton and you know, not, I haven't done a pros and cons list per se, but at the end of the day, I think the reason why I never took those other opportunities is because I was just like, I love what I do. I love the people I'm around and I don't feel like I've ever like flatlined. 
I don't feel like I've ever been, well, I didn't really get better this year. Cause that for me, that would be like a defeating feeling if I feel like I'm just not growing. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's all I got for you today. Um, this has been super fun. Uh, we had a, a lot of good laughs on this one. <laughs> um, it's been good to, to catch up. I mean, we haven't seen each other in what, three years, but hopefully this COVID thing goes away soon and uh, we can, we can reunite again. And uh, let's put, let's put it this way. We're one to know when you're in attendance at games. So we might, we might try to get that West coast. We have some West coast juice out there. We know we beat Arizona state. We beat Cal poly. We've had a lot of success in California, the USC overtime win. Like we might have to try to schedule a game out there and get, and get Chris Metapore in the audience again. We, we don't know. We'll see. That or me coming out to the East Coast. I got to come see the, the Princeton campus and see check out the Tigers in person again. Yeah, well, let's let's bring it. We got some good guys for you to come take a look at. I like it. I'm ready. All right, man. Thanks for joining me, and uh, stay safe and be well. We'll talk soon. Chris, thanks for having me, and I hope stay safe, and hopefully your family's staying safe as well. <laughs>